listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. You know, Julie, I've received um, probably about 20 emails as a result of the last couple days' radio shows, and a lot of the uh, emails have been folks giving us suggestions on future radio show topics, and I love that. Me too. It makes it so we don't have to. That's right. We don't have to think as hard, and that's good. It is. <laughs> so if you if you guys have any topics that you want us to discuss. Uh, any challenges that you're having or anything that you feel like is not being discussed in the real estate industry, um, let us do it for you. Let us know where you need help. Let us know where even we can improve the radio show. We're having the president of the National Association of Realtors back on. We're having a lot of other CEOs. Um, we're aligning, aligning ourselves with, you know, obviously more of these Bravo TV stars. So we're doing all of our normal thing, but our heart and soul is always with you guys, the individual practitioners. So anything we can do, uh, to help you anytime, anyway, let us know. So topic suggestions, email them directly to me, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And, Julie, I know we had a topic suggestion uh, come in uh, that we're going to be covering on Monday's show. It's a great one. I, a lot of you guys yeah. are having questions about uh, Zillow. I only like to dance around. I mean, Zillow is not really our fight, as I was just telling our producer, but I had received some interesting information um, about Zillow as a result of their last investor call. I've been apprehensive uh, to talk about it again on the radio because a lot of this information I'm getting are from uh, guys on Wall Street. And a lot of times when they're sharing information with me, they're sharing information hoping that I'm going to share it publicly and then basically that will help them uh, essentially with their position on the stock. A lot of these guys are short sellers or a lot of these guys are whatever, whatever, right? So sometimes when I get this information about publicly traded companies, I don't necessarily want us to talk about it on the radio because some sometimes it just is a little bit too incendiary. But there was an email I got from a hedge fund uh, who had participated in the investor call last week uh, with the Zillow executive team, and he did point out some very valid concerns that thus far nobody in the industry has even talked about. I was hoping, to be honest with you, that someone would do a story on these particular points that um, I'm going to, that I was kind of alarmed about. I was hoping that somebody else would do it, but nobody has. And I've um, let the guys at Inman know. I've let some other people know, but no one's really seeming to pick up on it. So we're going to do it. And I think, actually, we're going to do it sometime in the next few days. So just letting you guys know. Again, this is information, things that were said on the last investor call that really does illuminate the true mindset of uh, Zillow towards our industry and, you know, frankly, I think a lot of you guys are going to be shocked. Uh, and if you want to front-run this information, you can download the transcript from the last investor call um, from Bloomberg. And there's a lot of other sources, too. You can get it. You can actually listen to it. There's replays available on the Internet. You usually have to do a, a fair amount of digging to find a free version of the replay, but they're always out there. And they're extremely informative. A lot of you guys are interested in this stuff from your you know, personal perspective as being uh, maybe former, past, or current subscribers to one of these lead selling services, and you're sort of just curious about the nature of that business. And some of you I know are uh, past subscribers, had a bad experience, and um, are wanting to you know, have more information on basically what went wrong. So anyway, the topic will be 
um, discussed next week, uh, maybe uh, probably on Tuesday, I'm thinking. So get ready for that radio show. I'm going to do some more homework on it over the weekend. So, Julie, a lot of interesting yes. coaching calls. I, I talk with some of our coaches today. You talk with some of our coaches today. So before we get to today's radio show topic, anything in particular you see that the, our coaches were bringing to your attention that they're hearing from all their students? Well, yes. And the, the big picture would be this. Uh, and we're, I think we're going to handle this radio topic as a special request from one of our great Indianapolis agents about how do you price a home aggressively without overpricing it, without looking like you're buying the listing, not pushing it too far, creating appraisal problems, and yet competitive enough not to lose the listing over price. So that's come up quite a bit with everyone's perception being that you know, the market is, quote, back or the market's hot, prices are recovering, I ought to be able to get top dollar. Well, I have an interesting victory uh, to share with you along those lines, an agent that I'm coaching in Chicago. So special shout out to Deb in Chicago, who has a fantastic victory story, just took a million and a half dollar listing, was competing against very strong, very professional, tried and true, you know, this is stiff, you know, top-notch competition. Now, the seller said to her something very interesting. The seller said, I listed with you because the other agent didn't appear to know how to price my home. Now, this is not like a new, you know, a brand new agent that has no experience. This is like a top producing big team. And in fact, the comment that the seller said was, quote, you would think that with a team of 20, they could have put their heads together and figured out how to price my home, which, you know, it's kind of interesting hearing about one of the top agents there uh, and their team. Now, why did Deb get the listing? One of the major reasons was because she had bothered to call the agents who had pendings and get the price out of them, or at least real close to what that price was, because those are your most immediate comps of today that are about to close, become real comps. Now, that's going above and beyond for that seller prospect and gathering your intel, and that also plays into that most common thing we're hearing, how do I price it aggressively without overpricing it and not too low so that I lose the listing? So Deb's hedge against that was to do extra research and be extra careful going into this situation so she really knew her facts. And this seller really valued that. You know, it's not always what we think. It's not always, well, you know, I just liked you better. There's all these other things that come into play. And so congratulations on the listing, Chicago. Um, and that's something to put into your listing agent brains is it might not be enough just to have the obvious comps these days. Dig a little bit deeper. Know your facts. You know, if you know, of, for example, a pocket listing that just closed and you know the agent that did it, find out the price on that. You're not going to get a, that out of the MLS. So that's what I'm hearing. How about you? No, that's great. And I, you know, that's an interesting problem that's happening really in, in many markets where there's mm -hmm. like our old stomping grounds in Columbus, Ohio, there's a lack of inventory there too, which is crazy because there was always a healthy, you know, supply of inventory days in the market. It was never really super, you know, fast days in the market, but now it is. So yeah, knowing that stuff's really critical. I love how you framed it too not pricing it to the point where that you'll piss the seller off, but at the same time not overpricing it, that is a balance. So, Julie, mm -hmm. I have a proposal. Why don't we really drill down on that particular topic on Monday? Yes, sounds good to me. Okay, cool. So, guys, listen, um, how sick are you of being solicited by companies trying to sell you CRMs? 
<laughs> Let's be honest. You know, and I want to be super clear. Some of the CRM software programs out there, some of the CRM providers, they are fantastic. They're really so brilliant compared to what was available out there five, ten years ago. I love them, a lot of them. But here's the deal. They all require money. They all require time to set up. They all require you change your system sometimes, going from one to the other. And a lot of us, and I'm, you know, Julie and I, we're not that old. We're in our 40s, right? And and people even younger than us, um, having a CRM, having everything live in your computer, live on a computer screen, is not the most efficient way to run your business. One of the key fundamental things that we will share with all of you guys as coaching clients is oftentimes for most of you, it is better to have every, all the most important things not in a computer, not in a notebook, you know, co- you know, computer or otherwise, but literally on a dry erase board. Very old school, but incredibly powerful. Uh, a lot of folks in real estate have a tendency to be visual folks. You know, we see, we understand by what we see. That's our primary source of uh, informational input. And so dry erase boards are what we're going to focus on. I know this seems like kind of a boring topic, but we're not going to make it boring. We're not going to uh, leave you guys thinking, oh, my gosh, why did I just spend a half hour listening to a conversation on dry erase boards? We're going to tell you exactly how to go about accomplishing what not only will help you with organizational problems, but the end result will be you'll, because you're going to do the dry erase boards, hopefully like we suggest, They'll also give you constant motivation. Ah, I bet you I piqued your interest now. So, Julie, let's jump in. All right, perfect. So here's the secret. We personally have never known, interviewed, or coached a single top producer who does not use some sort of visual accountability system. And the vast majority of these agents use simple whiteboard or wipe-off board system of tracking. So just to clarify what we're talking about, you know, literally a whiteboard. You guys know you write on them with markers. I think that's... Just to make sure you know what we're talking about, we'll call them wipe-off boards or whiteboards. So in order to do this and make it work, remember, we're not just talking about whiteboards. We're talking about visual accountability here. That's the real point. You're going to need either five individual whiteboards, no smaller than 18 by 24 inches, or one dedicated wall that you've either painted with whiteboard paint or you have a giant whiteboard. Some of you guys have whiteboards laying around, but you're just not using them. So decide how we're going to execute this as we discuss this. You also need a pack of colorful, but not too thick, whiteboard markers and whiteboard cleaners. So these are your supplies in order for you to start holding yourself visually accountable. Now, if you are one of our coaching clients, we have this posted on our website with some links for where to buy this type of stuff if you don't already have it lying around your office, which most of you do. So Tim, why does this work? I mean, we're talking about external accountability, right? And basically having their goals surrounding them, whether that's listing inventory, total number of transactions, why does this work? Well, I'll tell you guys a coaching story, true story. Um, We had a new, uh, I'm trying to remember actually, I've had this happen more than once, but I'll give you guys the most relevant one. Julie was just talking about someone from Chicago, and I was just realizing in my head that this coaching client was also from Chicago. So she came to us. She's um, you know, very successful long-term agent. She's always, you know, uh did I think it was like right around 40 or 50 transactions. And she just, you know, she wanted a new challenge. She wanted to go to 100 transactions in a year. Now, I know for a lot of you that seems like a huge deal, but really truthfully, guys, the biggest challenge isn't getting to isn't going from 50 to 100, believe it or not. It's going from like 5 to 30. That's harder than going from 50 to 100. 50 to 100 is just basically 
scaling the habits you've already formed to get there in the first place. But that's a different radio show altogether. Um, so her challenge was, how do I go from 50 to 100? Um, now, we do coaching over the phone, and oftentimes it's not as, you know, we, we'd like to be a fly on the wall, but fortunately, because of technology, we can actually have her um, take pictures, fire up her webcam so we can see uh, her office and your office, and we do that a lot. So we want to know exactly what your environment looks like, and frankly, it's always good for a nice chuckle, <laughs> if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, true. So I did the same. So I did the same thing with her. But I had her take a bunch of digital pictures and send it to me. Just basically, she did like a panorama from where she sat at her desk and kind of just all the way around her what her environment looked like. And here's basically what I saw. Uh, it was a mess. She had files from like last year. She had awards and plaques from like ten years ago. It did look like essentially a time capsule of you know, something from 100 years ago in terms of how really it was so much useless information in there, so much mind clutter, so many things that were going to cause a lot of uh, consternation that number the number one job we had to do was just clear everything out. Um, she was debating as to whether or not she should keep her old plaques or whether she should throw them out. Um, and I think she ended up actually putting them in the storage locker, but that's her decision. My suggestion to you guys is you just throw them all out. You don't need them. Uh, anymore, just get rid of all that stuff. And your office should be essentially um, a stand-up desk. And I know I'm kind of venturing away from the the whiteboards, but I'll get to it in a second. And we have these stand-up desks in our own office, and it's called updesk.com, updesk.com. You guys can read about the health benefits of having a desk that, uh, that essentially is at standing level on your own, but incredibly powerful. Another uh, common uh, thing that we see amongst not just successful superstar agents, but also amongst anyone is they all understand the importance of standing up while they're working, not sitting down. So anyway, her her office in particular, job one was clearing it out. Job two was essentially getting her new office furniture. Job three was the whiteboards. Now, here's what we did. Remember her goal was to go from roughly around 50 to 100 transactions. Uh, she didn't have any whiteboards whatsoever. She'd been storing everything in, like, top producer. Um, she didn't really keep any visual uh, reminders of what her goals were. So I had her get a dry erase board, and I had her number the dry erase board, 1 through 100, and at the top of it I wrote the word sales. Okay? So and in, in other words, she had been, um, without knowing it, limiting herself, putting a self-imposed cap on how many houses that she would sell at around 50. So by taking a dry erase board and uh, and writing again on top, sales, and then the buyers were uh, put on the dry erase board with blue dry erase ink, and the sellers were red. I also had her, because she was really bad at tracking her money, I also had her write down what the av- what the sale price was, uh, what the commission was, and for her it was always like 2.37, you know, two, uh, almost 3% basically, almost every one. And I also had to write down what her commission check was from each transaction. So on her dry erase board, she would have all the houses that she sold to buyers and sellers. And remember, I labeled it, had her label it 1 through 100. And then also she was able to keep track of all the most important things as far as tracking profit and her expense and all that instantly. There wasn't a, a function of having to go to three different windows or you know figure out some CRM. So why did I have her do that? Because, again, she had this... Uh, mental limitation that she a self-imposed mental limitation of selling only 50 houses by labeling the dry erase board up to 100 even after she had a phenomenal month or a norm what had been historically a phenomenal month for her you know having three to six closings 
she would walk back into her office and then she'd look at her dry erase board and she'd realize that the goal was 100 and sure she might have addresses and uh you know written down for the first like 20 or 30 but she's realizing she, realizing she had 70 or I'm sorry 60 or uh, 70 more to go in order for her to accomplish her goal because they were labeled 1 through 100 and again she would see how many blanks there were next to the numbers that were supposed to represent the transactions she was supposed to do. Get it? Now, we did the exact same thing with dry erase boards on her listings. So as you guys know, and if you haven't heard this before, it is, it, we have been told that it is a mindset, uh, career-changing um, thing to know. It's called our real estate magic number. Real estate uh, magic number, in essence, is the number of listings that you need to have at all times for you to have financial stability, for you to have cash flow versus cash spurts, for you to essentially have a real business opposed to just a real estate practice. We've done radio shows on it, real estate coaching clients. Um, it's in Real Estate Coaching Essentials, the material. Ask your coach for it. Absolutely critical. You know what your magic number is. And again, we've done lots of training, especially for coaching clients on figuring out your formula. And I think we've done two or three radio shows on it, so you can go to Real Estate Coaching Radio and listen to replays on that topic. So I had her figure out what her real estate magic number was. She knew what it was. And for her, I believe she had to have something like 20 listings at all times. Her market was one of these markets where things took a little bit longer to sell. So I had her, and that was 20 listings at all times for her to have 100 closings in the year uh, in that particular you know, fiscal year. So she labeled another dry erase board, 1 through 100, I'm sorry, 1 through uh, 20, and it was labeled listings at the top. Again, psychologically, what happens? She walks in the office, she just took a listing, everyone in the office is celebrating. She might even get agent of the month. You guys know how we over-celebrate the smallest things in this industry, which is kind of funny in itself. So she walks into the office feeling like she's the greatest thing since sliced bread. She now has... You know, she took a listing, she put it on the board, but then she's realizing that in order for her to accomplish her big goal of selling 100 homes, she actually needs to have 20 listings at all times. So seeing that dry erase board again with the blanks next to the, say, for example, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, there are no listings assigned to those numbers, that motivates her to go after more business. Does this make sense, Jules? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to say that it takes the getting ready to get started to someday possibly have a clue what to do today with my real estate time. It takes that whole thing out of there, whether you're whether that's happening because you're super busy and slammed or whether you're not that busy. We hear that from grizzled veterans that have lots of deals going on and newbies alike because there's so many things pulling you in so many different directions in this business. So if you walk into your office and you look at your board where it says 1 through 20 listings, and you've only got 10, even though you just celebrated writing 10 because that's a great benchmark, it shows you you still have work to do. And for those of you who are listing it in itself and listing it in itself, it's even more important for you guys because the number is probably going to be smaller but churn faster. So maybe you need five actives at all times, but you're going to your wipe off boards. It's, it's very interesting, Tim, to see this happen, especially in those cases because then, I mean always, but especially your leads board becomes a very critical now because that's your pipeline. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I've got clients that are on track to do over 300 sides this year. And we were celebrating they took seven new listings last week, which by all counts is a fantastic week, essentially a listing a day. Can't really argue that was a fantastic week. The problem is they sold 11. 
<laughs> so, you well, know, I'm just, laughing. Way. I'm, just yeah. I'm laughing because you said the problem was, but yeah, I get well, your point, I know. right? Nice problem to yeah. have, indeed, okay? Right. But they, so imagine what was happening to their whiteboards, right? What was happening was they were writing up those seven, but at the same time they had just erased 11, so even though we're celebrating seven, we're actually kind of falling behind for the goal. We've got to keep that board stuffed with the pipeline. So that agent then looks over at their leads board because if their leads board isn't stuffed full of things that they're converting and they're selling at that fast rate, you list it, you sell it, you list it, you sell it, what happens is you're in danger of becoming listless or dealless. This works with buyers too, by the way. Some of you guys are very buyer heavy right now. So you're constantly visually tracking what's actually happening in your real estate world. This is kind of a blown out version of the uh, vital stats page that many of our coaching clients use. It's much more obvious and it's on the wall. So, And I think too, Tim, there's an element of really celebrating and feeling great as you change your boards. And then if they're not changing fast enough, it's very obvious when your business stagnates. If it's been two or three days before you've changed anything on your board, your leads have become listings or buyers. Your listings have sold and become pendings. Your pendings have closed and become closings. Right. So if that kind of action isn't happening virtually on a daily basis, it shows you where your weakness is. Right. So if you look at your listing board and there's nothing there, well, it's kind of obvious what you need to get cracking on. If you're full of listings, but you don't, you've been holding all of your deals together, you've got lots of pendings, and you look over at your leads board and that's drying up, oh my gosh, I've got to get going on that before it's too late. So there's an element of this visual accountability that actually makes everything easier. And for those of you who have never been great at tracking your numbers, very common thing we hear with new coaching clients, we ask, what are your numbers? Well, I don't really know. I don't really track it using the whiteboards will cure you of that. So it's kind of an all-encompassing catch-all accountability tool. Does that make sense, Tim? I mean, we use this it, with everyone. Yeah, yeah we, well, guess what, guys? We, are, uh, we have thousands and thousands of coaching clients, and Julie and I still personally use whiteboards. We do. We use uh, dry erase boards in our own business. Um, we don't use them for the exact same things we're suggesting you guys do because we aren't listing and selling real estate anymore. But this is how we keep ourselves uh, organized. Now, a couple other uh, – Yes, right. A couple other dry erase board ideas that you guys should have. Um, a uh, list or a, you know, up on a wall of your AAA motivated buyers and any listing leads. Now, the only problem or I'd say suggested uh, thing you need to watch out for is if you find yourself uh, gathering leads and not transactions, that's something that's kind of a problem that you, know, you need to work with, uh, with your coach. If you find yourself having lots of leads but no listings, then you're, you know, obviously we have an issue helping you get over the hump with regards to getting the contract signed and overcoming objections and the rest of it. But yes, it is a good idea that you also have all your leads up there. Now, why do I like that idea for all of you? Because then you don't have a false sense of security with these, again, elaborate CRMs that some of you have developed for this long-term lead follow-up. If you have a whiteboard that's right in front of you 
and you're using our criteria to determine what a AAA motivated buyer is and a AAA motivated seller is, a have to sell seller, right? And let's say these are leads, not listings yet, and you have them up on a board and you realize you only have three or four leads that you're chasing and maybe two buyers that you're chasing. You're going to you know, operate at a higher level of efficiency than if you're just sort of thinking that you have this big CRM with hundreds of people mm-hmm. in it and that hopefully, hoping and praying that a few of them bubble up and send you an email and say, I'm ready to list my house or whatever. You see, what this conversation does, what uh, practicing at this level does is it raises your intensity. And you notice that if you guys were paying attention on this radio show, do you notice that your the the manner in which you are thinking about your business changes? You all of a sudden went from being probably in it, and now you're looking at it, right? So when you hear people talk yeah, about that's a good way to put it. in, yeah, when you hear people talk about working in your business versus working on your business, this is a little bit of both, but this is the ultimate way of easily interpreting. Uh, what you have, what you are doing, and frankly, what your future is going to hold for you. So, if you're looking at your, you know, magic number, and you know you're supposed to have ten listings at all times, and you know you only have four, when you're looking at your leads, and you really, you, you only have three, you can't hide from it, can you? It's right there. So, the only reason, and this is the bottom line, guys, the only reason you wouldn't want to do this uh, is because you don't want to have the self-imposed accountability and confrontation that comes from the accountability of knowing your numbers. And some of you are like that. There's no hiding. I get that. Right. I mean, in, in essence, that's what you want to do. You want to hide from the facts that are what you are or aren't doing in your real estate business. And a lot of you exist that way. Um, for those of you who don't, who I know a lot of you are coaching clients or will become coaching clients, definitely consider employing what we just described to you on today's radio show. So thank you for listening. Thank you always for making us the number one listen to radio show out there for real estate agents. I sincerely appreciate that from the bottom of our hearts. Um, And also remember, if you guys want a free copy of our uh, two books, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate and the Real Estate Treasure Map, pretty much must have reads if you want to be successful in real estate. You uh, can get them free. And all you got to do is request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. A shout-out to our title sponsors. Uh, that would be mojocells.com. And you guys have heard me talk about Mojo on every radio show. Truly one of the best, uh, most no-brainer uh, tools you should have in your real estate business. In addition to that, 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE. Again, uh, incredibly easy software system to use. Generates buyer leads for you. If you're still in the paradigm of buying buyer leads, what the hell are you thinking? Learn how to be a listing agent. Learn how to self-generate. Learn how to be, uh, break the dependency on other people providing you with leads. And then that's the first step to your, building financial freedom for yourselves and for your family. Anything we can do for you at any time, remember, guys, email us. We have true passion for what we do. We love doing this radio show. We love knowing that we're helping you. Any topics for radio shows, email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com. The and in Tim and Julie Harris is spelled out. Uh, when you're ready to become a coaching client, you can go to our website directly, timandjulieharris.com, and sign up, or you can just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, speak with one of our coaches, decide if it's for you. Remember, as of the beginning of this month, we are now offering student loans. So you can actually become one of um, our coaching clients in our most elite coaching program. That's our breakthrough coaching program for as little as $359 a month versus $997. That's if you're using the student loans. So as far as finances being an obstacle to you becoming a coaching client, that has been removed. So take action on that. In the meantime, have a fantastic day, guys. A lot of you are having your best years ever. 
We're entering into the best time of year. Continue the momentum. Anything we can do to help, please ask. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.